You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Stick to football. Mello and I are going to break down championship weekend. Also going to look at uh, some of the players players going to the NFL, some of the coaches fired, a lot going on in the old NFL world. Mello, it's weird just me and you. It is. It's like a throwback Friday. Right. I, I feel like I should be half drunk right now, <laughs> but I'm not, surprisingly, even though we're not on YouTube today. No YouTube, no Connor. Uh, we are off uh, Friday. As you're listening to this, we will be making our way to Atlanta for the SEC Championship. Come check us out if you're there right in front of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. We'll be with Johnsonville at their tailgate throwdown. You're actually judging a cook-off. <laughs> I can't wait. I've never done this before. But I think you're going to be a natural. <laughs> I, I feel like it's something I was maybe born to do. And, you know, we're going to get two very good fan bases here, too, uh, with Georgia just going up the road to Atlanta. And then LSU, we know how they travel, and we also know how they play when we are there. Should be a very good game. I know that Connor has uh, Georgia. He's rooting for them, I guess you would say, because he picked them to win the SEC. LSU, obviously, the undefeated team coming into this. So it should be a good matchup, and it should be a really good time, too. Yeah, will be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, again, you find the information on our Twitter and on our uh, Instagram as well, at Stick to Football on both those. All right, let's get into the show a little bit. Uh, a lot has happened this week since we talked to you all last. And you haven't been on the show in a minute. I know, I feel like the, I was on vacation. The breaks that we've been on. Ron Rivera fired this week. And I think one of, there are many surprising factors in this. Number one for me, it was surprising that it happened when it did, like week 13. Uh, surprising thing number two, it happened on a Tuesday when no one's in the facility. And then surprising, I guess not surprising, the outpouring of, su- of support for Ron Rivera on Twitter from people in the media was really surprising to me, I guess. And it shouldn't have been. I- I've always heard he's a great dude. I've never really had to interact with him a lot. But it just goes to show that wherever he is next, and I believe he'll be coaching next year, after eight years with the Panthers, this it feels like just as a man, as a human being, he built up a ton of support around the NFL. Yeah, I, I really like him as a coach, and I think that he's going to land on his feet somewhere else. Uh, maybe a team that's just looking for a coach to get their locker room together. And that's why I think the Cleveland Browns should be calling Ron Rivera Immediately, If they haven't already, they should be looking at him because I do think that he can straighten out this locker room and get these guys going. I mean, you lose your your starting quarterback. You replace him with Kyle Allen, who, yeah, played pretty well for a while. 
but he still had this team looking really good at parts of this season. Yeah, they've dropped four straight, uh, but two of those games, the Packers and the Saints, I think those are good games. Those are good losses. The Falcons and the Redskins, yeah, you probably shouldn't lose to those two teams. But I do think that he did a very good job with this team this year, given the fact that Cam Newton was injured and and a lot of the aging pieces there. It's probably just time for a new regime to come in there. We talk about how the message can get stale. I don't know that his message got stale, but I think it's just time to start over and start rebuilding the Carolina Panthers. Well, a new owner, David Tepper, comes in, and I think he just wanted to shake things up after uh, we talked about this on the Midweek Show. Maybe the message did get stale, but at least like you just David Tepper paid two point three billion dollars for this team. He's going to want to put his own stamp on it. Yeah, that might mean general manager Marty Herney's gone. I know they said in the press release they're at least going to bring in a lot of new football operations people. So it could be a really different look for the Carolina Panthers next year. They're moving their facilities down to South Carolina. Basically, it's going to be beautiful, but it could be a completely different team. And I think. We've talked a lot about directions they could go in the first round, whether that's Javon Kinlaw or an offensive tackle like Jedrick Wills or Tristan Wirfs, whoever it might be. It's a team that's drafted 14 right now. They've lost four in a row. And if that trend continues, I don't think it would be crazy to see them get into the top 10, at which point we will have to talk about them as a quarterback team. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Because a lot of people wanted to talk about Kyle Allen. I I think a lot of that hype has died down. They have to replace Cam Newton, or at least it seems like they're going to. I think you're right. If this trend continues, and now that you don't have a head coach, it just might happen. Uh, And then they do get into some, maybe we look at quarterback talk. I mean, they have the Falcons. They can probably still win that game. You're not going to beat the Seahawks. I'm sorry. Nope. At Indianapolis (laughs) for the Colts, you're probably losing that one too. And then you end the season with the Saints. I think they drop at least three more games, if not four, which could put them right in range to get a quarterback, especially if we're going to see these guys drop. You mentioned Tua. Uh, in your article that comes out today, in your mock draft recently, he's a guy that's kind of dropping. We don't know where he could fall. Yeah. If he's sitting there in range for the Panthers to oh, take yeah. him, I'm swooping him up. You don't believe in Will Greer, third rounder? I, I, mean, I he... think it's pretty telling that they went with Kyle Allen over yeah. the third rounder. Yeah, it is. I always thought Greer would be like a really good backup. Like a r- really good. I'm surprised that he hasn't got his chance. I, I think what... If I'm the new guy, or if I'm the owner, I'm probably telling the coach, hey, let's give Greer a shot over these last four games and see what we can do with him. We've kind of seen what Kyle Allen can do. Uh, It's looked good at times, but let's give Will Greer a shot to see what he can do in these last four games. You know, sometimes I get on Twitter and I say things, and they happen. And then sometimes I get on Twitter and I say things, and the opposite happens. And I think it was earlier this week, Mike Leach went off about something. Uh, about his players and like that they don't have good recruits and I tweeted and was like it kind of feels like he's like done at Wazoo you know (laughs) like he just constantly seems pissed he's constantly complaining about something up there well nope they extended him through 2024 so uh my bad yeah I don't really understand what happened here I mean even when we were doing radio on Saturday we were talking about maybe this is a landing spot for him at Mizzou or you know different situations that could work for him and then they just go ahead and extend him Uh, maybe all the bullshit that he was talking maybe they're like you know what we do need to lock up this guy because if we lose Mike if we lose Mike Leach what the hell are we going to do here at Washington State Uh, Chris Peterson's out the door so maybe there's a a little bit of room for them to work and to extend Leach I guess if you feel like he's your coach, cool. It really seemed like both parties were ready to just part 
I guess we're not going to see that at least until 2024 because he's extended through there now. Yeah, and good for him and good for them. Anthony Gordon uh, just got picked up to the Senior Bowl, the, the only quarterback so far who's committed. Yeah. Uh, I'm intrigued by him. It feels like Late. every year we get a Washington State quarterback in the Senior Bowl, at Luke least for Falk. the last three. Yeah, Gardner, Gardner Minshew, and now uh, I think our buddy Jim Nagy just thought, you know what, I should probably just go back to the well again right. and get that Washington State quarterback. Maybe we can catch lightning in a bottle. And it ain't broke. Yeah. I don't. I like Gordon late. That's like a late round option. Seven. Yeah. I'm not looking at him very high right no. now. But, so you know, skinny. we've seen a lot worse quarterbacks go to the Senior Bowl before. So yes, we have. getting a guy like Gordon in there. Give him a chance. We haven't seen a lot of him in college. Obviously, a one-year starter. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do with some of the receivers that are working up there with the Senior Bowl. Yeah, uh, it it is going to be fun to see. Uh, I do want to talk about this because it was happening Thursday right before we recorded. There was an article uh, about Tua, an interview with Cecil Hurt, who does great, great work for Tide Sports. And then Tua had a press conference Thursday. I had a lot of people actually in media texting me like, do you think he's going to declare? I was like, no. No, he's not. He shouldn't be. Let's let's say that. And he did not. Tua, though, I, I thought he was really forthcoming in a lot of his comments saying, like, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to declare. I need to talk to my family. The only information I have is what Coach Saban has told me. He just started rehab. It sounds like that's going well. But I, and I, this is in my scouting notebook that comes up Friday morning. I, I feel like. Tua is it between a rock and a hard place. The The deadline to declare for the draft is January 20th. So about six weeks from now. In six weeks, NFL teams can say, yeah, you're a first-round pick. Okay. Uh, and then if you have a bad medical at the combine, guess what? You're not anymore. And so he's being asked to make a decision based on information that he, just, he can't have yet. It's an incomplete picture. And so I, I truly feel for him because he can take this decision all the way to January 20th and make that call about, okay, I'm going to enter the draft. And then, but if he fails a physical, that changes everything. Right. And that is, we're not going to get a good physical for a while because of his hip. And I think it's really unfair for people to say what he should do. We just really don't know right now with his hip and the injury that he's gone through. A lot of people could come out and say, yeah, he's going to be drafted in the first round. I think that he will. I've never seen his medicals. I don't know what's going to come out. Uh, and you're right. There could be arthritis in that hip. And if there is, man, he's probably fucked. And he's probably not going to be a first-rounder. So then maybe he should go back to Alabama and prove that he can still play and be healthy. Uh, it does really suck for him to be in this situation. I, I hope that he heals up well and that we still see him get drafted very high. Because I did like the player. I liked his attitude, his demeanor on the field. Great kid. I want to see him play football. I want to see him be successful. But we really just don't know yet how that's going to work because I don't know if our listeners yeah. know this. Not a medical doctor. No. I, I didn't do that. That's not an avenue I pursued. <laughs> it could be um, almost career ending with a hip injury. Or it could be that, you know what, he'll be fine. He can start in August and your football team has their quarterback of the future. You still worry about a guy who's been hurt as much as he has, though. Oh yeah! Like even if the even if he passes the physical and like like oh I can't believe how well the hips doing and it's like man he's still been hurt a lot a lot I love the kid I truly do but there are a lot of concerns and again I mostly want to talk about it because he's in such a hard place and I know a lot of you guys ask us all the time hey when is he going to come out where would you draft him I'm guessing at this point I had him at number ten overall in my mock that came out Wednesday to the Chargers that's a complete guess at this point because I don't know how healthy he is. 
and right. none of us do. And we've I, seen, he doesn't even. I mean, after the combine, when you go through those medicals, we've seen a lot of guys That's, almost go yep. undrafted because of it. No matter how talented they are, uh, Maurice Hurst with the Raiders looked like a first-round guy uh, the, through the entire process, and then something hits on the medicals, and he falls. Uh, same thing with a quarterback who's been injured often. If that hip doesn't look great, he's going to fall in the draft. Yeah. All right. Speaking of underclassmen, people are declaring. I, I was caught off guard this week. Was like, oh, it's time. Guys are declaring for the draft. Uh, I just want to throw names at you, and we can just uh, make just a quick. And these are projections. Some of these guys were surprises, and I haven't studied them enough to have a, a good round projection on them. But JJ Taylor at Arizona, so small. Very small. He's a running back, so I guess we see a lot of those guys come out early. He's going to lose his quarterback as well, but he's so small. I think he's like five foot six, five six, one seventy. Right. So, oh, that probably would have been a return to school for me. Yeah, I have him ranked one ninety six overall. Right. Now. I don't know if he's on my board. Yep. Okay. Uh, Lavisca Chenault, first rounder. Yeah. Great. Okay, good with that Love one. Him. Uh, Anthony McFarland Jr., running back of Maryland. Another small guy. So the thing about these running backs is something that we've been talking about is this is a loaded running back class. Yes. And even guys like uh, Swift and you know, Taylor, they're going to get pushed down the board because of guys like Najee Harris, J.K. Dobbins, Travis Etienne. I think that we're going to see a lot of guys go in the second round. And once the run on running back starts, it's going to be one hell of a show. That might not be until the second round, though. I don't know if we see any of them go in the first. Yep. So some of these guys, like a little Booger McFarlane, maybe he should go back to school. Because the sophomore running back class isn't as great. So I don't think we're going to see as many guys come out next year that are going to be on that level of what we're seeing this year. So if I'm him or if I'm J.J. Taylor... I'm going back to school, and I'm going to see what the class has next year because this year is just loaded. One of the best I've seen. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I have Anthony McFarland at 158 overall, so day three for him. Uh, up next, uh, Missouri and Exodus. Uh, a local kid for us, Tristan Colon Castillo, uh, probably play center the next level. I don't have a grade on him yet. I, I would guess he's going to be in the three to four range. For me, but I don't have a solid grade. Jordan Elliott, I did have a grade on. I have him in the, that three to four range. And then tight end Albert O. I'm going to learn to say his last name eventually. I have a third on him, and Connor and I talked about him on the Wednesday show. I'm intrigued by him, but I am worried about the fact that he can't stay on the field. Yeah, so for the two offensive guys, the center who you mentioned, local kid here for us, He's also losing a guard and a tackle on that offensive line. So I do actually think that's a good decision for him to go ahead and come out because you're going to lose some of those running mates with you. And if your entire offensive line unit looks bad, you look bad. Like, I don't care what you're doing. If you have guys beating that tackle on the edge, it looks bad on some people. So I like that he's coming out with Albert O. I think it's to be expected, even though he had a down year. Uh, the offense wasn't the same offense that he ran his freshman and sophomore year. And then the injury problems, staying on the field was an issue for him this year. I, I think that he's another guy that you probably just have to go test the NFL waters while you can and why your stock is still up. I don't know that he's going to do much next year to be like, oh, you know what? Yeah, he was a first, second round tight end. I think that he can prove that through combine testing. I don't know if he's going to graduate, if he'll be able to play in any of the you know, senior bowls or anything like that. But I think that he can go through the combine testing in this tight end class. Not very deep. I still think that he could work and be tight end two or maybe even tight end one uh, with good combine results and a good pro day. 
Yeah, I am intrigued by Albert, intrigued by Colon Castillo. Um, and Mizzou is going to be have a head coach right now. And so I think it's we're just gonna see like like you've said on on the show forth we're seeing exodus from them a little bit. All right, two more guys who have declared TCU or three more, excuse me, Penn State. Uh, Gross made us knew he was gonna declare. Mm-hmm. He's probably a first rounder, right? right? He's gonna be a top edge rusher. I have him top five edge yeah. rusher. I think Oregon State. Here's an interesting one: Isaiah Hodgins. I've had a lot of people ask me about him. He had really good production this year. I am not his biggest fan. I think he is probably a round three guy for me. Yeah, I don't have him on my board yet. Uh, they're just loaded with receivers right now. So I probably would have put that as a return to school type guy. Maybe his testing will prove me wrong. But honestly, I haven't watched a whole lot of Oregon State games or Oregon State players. So maybe he is kind of that diamond in the rough that we just haven't discovered yet. For me, he's kind of in this group of guys who are together like Nico Collins, Tariq Black, mm-hmm. I have Hodgins in there. I have Jawan Johnson from Oregon in there. It's like guys I like, but they're just all missing something. Yeah. And if you know a guy like this comes out and he's a senior and he can go to the senior bowl and get his name out there, then cool. But coming out as a junior and as kind of a relatively unknown, I think that's probably gonna be hard for you. I mean He's just not going to have that exposure that the other yeah. guys are going to have. And you look at the senior class, it's pretty damn good. You know, K.J. Hill at, at Ohio State. You have Denzel Mims, Brandon Ayuk. Those are guys that are going to be at the Senior Bowl and can yep. prove that. And I feel like that's kind of maybe the range of guys that he's competing with. The, I mean, the receivers at USC and Florida, Tennessee – there are a lot of very good senior receivers this year. I know. I have so many receivers in my top 100 right now. Oh, I know. It's ridiculous. I mean, and even you keep going down, you find guys like Lynn Bowden can probably come out. And I know that he's been playing a lot of quarterback. Uh, Kalijah Lipscomb, there's just Tyler receivers Bonds. everywhere. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Speaking of receivers, uh, Jalen Rieger, TCU declared for the draft, and Gabriel Davis, UCF. I think a lot of our listeners would say, oh, I know Jalen Rieger. I like Gabriel Davis so much more than him. I have Gabriel Davis in my top 50. I need to see how well he's going to run because I think UCF tape. Uh, I was watching the UConn game this morning, and he, UConn's coverage was terrible, but it's like, I don't know how fast he is, but he's right. physical. He's so big. He's like like a Mike Evans I compared type. him to Corey Davis physically. Yeah, yeah. He's a big guy who can win over the top. I do want to see how fast he can run. And there were times watching UCF play, because I'm kind of the UCF supporter on this podcast, <laughs> so watching their games this year, would be like, well, where the fuck is Gabriel Davis right now? Why isn't he on the field? So I don't know if it was injury. I don't know if it was problems with the coaching staff. That's where you kind of have to dig deep. You have to talk to people and say, is there like some character concern? Why is he coming out early? I thought he would return to school, but he's another guy you're going to have to dig deep on. Uh, the receiver out of TCU, Rieger. Uh, another junior, but we're going to see a lot of those guys come out. I didn't feel like he was on the field much for TCU this year either. He's hurt. Yeah. Undersized guy, but if he can come and he can run quick, it doesn't matter what you do if you're on the field. If you can play with good speed at receiver, you can get drafted very high. I feel like he drops too many passes. I I wasn't a big fan of his. I should probably do more TCU tape. But again, when you have all these receivers that we've already mentioned, we're not even mentioning the top guys uh, or, you know, like a K.J. Hamler, Justin Jefferson, Michael Pittman, Devontae Smith. There are a lot of guys that are going to go in that second, third round that they just can't compete with. And they're not going to get that, again, senior bowl exposure. Right. 
Yeah, it is going to be this receiver class. It's going to be fun watching them. I wanted to leave you, uh, before we get to blind review, uh, with this nugget. Kenyon Drake is 0-10 this year as a football player. The Miami Dolphins won their first game the week after they traded him. The Arizona Cardinals have not won a game since Kenyon Drake joined the team. I'm just glad that the stick to football curse is gone. Apparently it's now with Kenyon Drake because it's ridiculous. 0-10, he's not playing for the Bengals. I mean, yeah, but the Cardinals looked good before they got him. And it was like, okay, now they have a running back to go with David Johnson. Actually, no, the wheels kind of came off there, or maybe just defenses figured out how to stop that weird Cliff Kingsbury offense. Yeah. All right. Blind review time, Mellow. Thursday night was the Cowboys at Bears. We didn't get to watch it because we recorded this before it, but we can tell you everything that happened. Yeah, we're still going to review it. We're kind of fortune tellers here. And I was very impressed with this Cowboys offense uh, and them beating a team that actually looks pretty good. I know that they beat up on a lot of teams that are under 500, but the Cowboys come out here. They get a big win. Dak looked very good. Zeke Elliott, thank God he's on my fantasy team because he has three touchdowns, two rushing, one receiving. Uh, It's going to help me kick the shit out of Austin Cunningham (laughs) again this week. So good for Zeke, good for the Cowboys and the Cowboys fans. Maybe they can get their shit together and do a little playoff run here. Well, and I think for the Bears, the season's over, guys. Like that's, That's what this says to us. Is that season is now over because you needed this win to try to stay alive in the playoff race. And I'm going to say this with Mitchell Trubisky, it's over. Bears have two second round picks. They might need to find a way to package those to get in range for a Nick or a Jacob Eason, someone like that. Because sorry, Mitchell Trubisky, it's over. It is finally time. I guess sadly, it's time. College football regular season ends this Saturday. Conference Championship Saturday, uh, we are going to be at, again, the SEC Championship game. Come see us at 1031 o'clock, right outside Mercedes-Benz Superdome with the Johnsonville Tailgate Throwdown. Mellow Friday night, this actually starts, Utah versus Oregon in Levi Stadium, which is in the middle of nowhere, somewhere in the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, I mean, we drove by it when we were out there for Stanford. I couldn't believe how far away it is actually from... San Francisco. They're the San Jose 49ers. Yeah, good luck getting out there. Have fun with that drive. But Utah against Oregon, I think this is one of the most important matchups. And I'm glad that we get it on Friday night because I didn't want to have to find a way to fit it into the schedule with everything going on on Saturday with the Big Ten game, the Big 12 game, and of course the SEC game. So Friday night, we're going to get a good look at who might be sneaking into the college football playoff. I like Utah in this one. And I know that people like Paul Feinbaum can't get out of the SEC to watch these other teams play, but just look at the Senior Bowl roster. That will tell you everything you need to know about Utah because this is a real football team here. They've got a running back going. They've got like five members of that defense going. Tyler Huntley is a good quarterback, especially at the college level. I think this is a team that can contend in the playoff. Maybe they get their ass kicked by Ohio State, but they've run the table in the Pac-12, other than a small USC loss where you lost on the road. I like Utah. I like this matchup of this defensive line versus this offensive line. It's going to be a great game. Make sure you check it out on Friday, but I'm taking Utah on this one. Yeah, I am as well, and I'm glad you mentioned that about how much talent this team has because I feel like whether it's Paul and everybody else, like, oh, we don't want to see Utah. Who the fuck is we? I want Mm -hmm. to see Utah. I would love to see the Utah defense against Clemson or against LSU or against Ohio State. No, I don't think they're probably not going to win, but I want to see it. I want to see Tyler Huntley. I want to see Zach Moss. Utah has more pro prospects than Oregon does. Right, right. And the offensive line versus defensive matchup is going to be great. But Utah definitely has 
the players to be in this game. Maybe it's not the blue blood program that we're used to seeing, but they're kicking the shit out of these other teams like you know, Oregon, Washington, Stanford. They've all kind of cannibalized each other and eliminated each other. Utah gets to play against some good teams in the Pac-12 South. They beat Arizona State. Uh, they played a game against USC. They lost there. They beat BYU early in the season. I think they've earned their chance to get into the playoff. I agree. As long as they take care of business against Oregon. I think this will probably be their toughest matchup all year, but if they can do it against Oregon, they probably Oregon earn their can play spot. spoiler because they're playing for nothing. Yeah, I, uh, they really are. I'm if they win, if Oregon wins, they've eliminated the Pac-12 from yeah, the congrats playoffs. Good job. Yeah, so we'll, we're both we'll picking see Utah. if the Pac-12 commissioner can maybe pull some strings, <laughs> slide a couple extra dollar bills to Phil right. Knight in Oregon. Yeah. All right. Number seven Baylor versus number six Oklahoma. This game in Dallas, which probably favors Oklahoma if we're being honest. This game I saw was a nine and a half point spread, which I felt was a little disrespectful to Baylor. The last two times these teams, or excuse me, the last time these two teams played, Baylor had a, a lead at halftime. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts turned the ball over. Baylor was in control. Matt Rule's team is not set sexy, but they're really good at football. Oklahoma on the other side, very, very sexy and also pretty good at football. I think the key here is, can Baylor force more Jalen Hurts turnovers, which has been a bit of an issue the last couple weeks? It's the tale of two halves. When we watched that game at Baylor, uh, they were up 28-3 to and it looked like they were going to roll on the Sooners. But then second half adjustments, Oklahoma got things going. They won that game 34-31. to I think Oklahoma wins this game again. I do think it's going to be closer than the nine-point spread, but I think Oklahoma will be in control. They're not going to let Baylor jump out on them early like they did before. I think that Jalen Hurts gets the ball going on the ground a lot more and then getting the ball to CeeDee Lamb on those quick screens or slants that they like to do. I think Oklahoma controls the ball. They control this game all game with a chance to get into the playoff with a big win here. So I think Oklahoma wins as well, but I'll say this, man. The Sooners, the last four to five weeks, have not been playing that well. There have been a lot of close games, and I know you can't really look at it that way. Like It's different when it's a conference championship game, but they have not been playing well lately. And Hopefully everyone's healthy because I, I like Oklahoma's offense. I like watching them, but man, I just... Usually a, me. usually a loss to a team like Kansas State will get things going again, but it really didn't for Oklahoma. I mean, the next week against Iowa State, they win by one point, and then they had the loss, or not the loss, but the game against Baylor where they came out, looked like dog shit, played close with TCU. Oklahoma State was playing their backup quarterback, and they still only won that game 34-16. Right. So you're right. They have not been playing up to their potential in the last couple of weeks. I know it's Oklahoma. It's a big program. That's why I feel like Utah has been playing better lately. But we'll see what they can do. It's very hard to beat a team twice uh, in your conference. They're yes. going to have to do it in the conference championship. Number 20, Cincinnati versus number 17, Memphis in the Liberty Bowl. Which is in Memphis, so a little bit of a home game for the Tigers here. I feel like this might be Mike Norvell's last well, other than a bowl game. Might be his last yeah. game and say Coach of Memphis. He might be making his way down to Tallahassee. I like the Tigers in this one. I think they're just so well coached right now. And I believe they're favored in this one. Um of course the page won't load for me. But I, I just they've been playing so well this year. This is another nine point spread yeah. favors Memphis. Yeah. I, I like the offense of Memphis here. They give up a little bit more points on defense than Cincinnati does. But with Brady White there at quarterback with this Running back and Kenny Gainwell, I really like him. He's only a freshman, but he's a name to watch. Cincinnati has a good defense. They've got a good running back as well. But I like Memphis in this one. And 
the way that they do it in the American Conference, Memphis, higher seeded, higher ranked team, they get to host this game, which yeah. is kind of bullshit to have home field advantage <laughs> right. in a in a conference championship game. But that's the way they do it in the American Conference. So I'm taking Memphis. Uh, those fans will come out. They'll be rocking. Beale Street will be rocking. Tigers are going to win this one. It doesn't feel like this could be the last game for both these guys. Like Luke Fickle could get yeah. a better job after this. I, I think that everybody at in Missouri, any Missouri Tiger fan, needs to be watching this game. Your AD is probably going to be trying to call <laughs> right. both of these guys after. Probably going to be at this game. Good chance of that. Number four, Georgia versus number two, LSU. The game we will be at, and I love our boy Connor. No way Georgia wins this game. The Georgia offense absolutely sucks this year. I mean, you look at some of the performances Jake Fromm has put out there. We shouldn't be talking about this dude entering the draft. We should be talking about him going back to school and trying to get better. This offense is anemic. I know they have a good run game, but DeAndre Swift's banged up. So yeah, I have be, so many questions. I don't, I don't think know Georgia if he's can play score. or how much he's going to play. Luckily for Georgia, they always have a good stable of running backs. But I'm with you. I think LSU probably wins this one. And they probably want to make a statement because it's going to be very important to be the number one ranked team as opposed to the number two ranked team. You don't want to see Clemson right now. I know everybody's talking shit about how they haven't played anyone. You still don't want to run into a guy like Trevor Lawrence, those receivers, Travis Etienne. So they're probably going to want to make a statement against Georgia. I like the Bulldogs. Rooted for them when I was younger. We went to a school. We were the Bulldogs, so I wore a lot of their gear. I just don't see them keeping up with LSU in this offense. And I think the LSU defense, we've been talking about it, the defense is really starting to get it together. I think part of the reason why you see them giving up 22 points a game is because their offense is scoring 48. They're scoring quickly, a lot of possessions there, so their defense is giving up some points, but they're still very talented. I mean, every level of that defense has some great NFL prospects and some guys that aren't even eligible yet. So I'm taking LSU. Uh, I think they win this one pretty easy. I would actually, I'm going to take the points too. They're six and a half point favorites. Oh, yeah. I, I think that they crush that. I think it's probably going to be maybe even a double digit win. For I them. agree. I think LSU wins this one easily. Even though this game's basically a home game for Georgia, being in Atlanta, doesn't matter. LSU travels too well. Number one, Ohio State versus number eight, Wisconsin. This one's in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil, one of my favorite stadiums in the world. Um, I don't know that Ohio State score can, excuse me, I don't know that Wisconsin scores on Ohio State. It's going to be tough, and I think that's interesting that you point that out because that Ohio State defense has been very solid, one of the best in the nation. They're giving up 11 points a game, Yeah, and everybody wants to talk about Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins. I know that they have Chase Young and Jeff Okuda. This is one of the most complete defenses I've seen uh, since the glory days of Texas, since Miami in the early 2000s. There are so many prospects on this team to watch. That four linebackers, I think, will be playing in the NFL at least. Zach Harrison, the freshman edge rusher. Oh, yeah. He's going to be the guy that takes the place of Chase Young next year. And then the secondary, uh, Sean Wade, the other corner, is not a guy that we've mentioned a lot. Jordan Fuller back there at safety as well. So many players for this defense. I don't think that it really matters how much Justin Fields gets going. I think this is J.K. Dobbins' game. He's going to run like crazy. If they can get him going, they can control the clock. They can still score points, and that defense, I do think, can stop the Wisconsin offense. Jonathan Taylor needs to go off to get to that 6,000-mark club. I think that he can get his yards, but Wisconsin can't get the points. I'm taking Ohio State in this I one. just I don't think Wisconsin can score. 16.5-point spread. Take it. 
in this one. Yeah. 16 and a half. I, I feel like Fields is okay. If he weren't, they probably wouldn't have brought him back against Michigan. I think that yeah. knee is going to be okay. Uh, he came back. I know they had the brace on. He's very determined to play on Saturday. I think he will. And I think he probably still has a big game. It might not be the most important thing to him. That Heisman Trophy is in the back of his mind. Uh, too many people are talking about him. And Joe Burrow as well. These guys want to make a statement yeah. in their last game in this conference championship. I don't know... I hadn't realized this because Justin Fields isn't draft eligible, but I was doing prep for the show today. He has thrown 37 touchdowns and one interception. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is maybe they don't take a lot of shots downfield. They don't. With this screen game. That's insane. But still, 37 touchdowns to just one interception. Those are great rushing touchdowns. For the number one ranked team in the nation. Yeah. Uh, Joe Burrow having a great year, but it is kind of amazing that. Justin Fields isn't getting more love for the Heisman. He should. He should. He honestly. He should probably finish third behind Chase Young and mm. Joe Burrow. All right. Who gets into the playoff? That's the question everyone wants to know. What is your prediction, Mello, of the four teams? Well, I have Ohio State winning. They're number one, yep. so obviously they stay. I have LSU winning. They're number two. Obviously they stay. Clemson's at number three. They play Virginia. We didn't even talk about that game because it's going to we be don't a blowout. Yeah. Uh, Clemson is rolling right now. And like I said earlier, you do not want to be the number two ranked team because you don't want to have to face Clemson. You would rather face a team like Utah. And I feel if Utah wins, they deserve to be in. Uh, we already talked about how Oklahoma, yeah, they're the big name. They've been playing well. Or, sorry, they haven't been playing well, though, which is, I think, the difference maker. I think if Utah can come out and get a good win against Oregon, they should be in. They, they've done everything. They slipped up once on the road at USC. I don't, I'm not afraid of that loss. I think that this defense can play with anybody, and I want to see them play against Ohio State. I, so that is logically how it works for me. I have Ohio State winning their number one, LSU winning their two, Clemson winning their three. I think that Paul Feinbaum, whether you like that bald bastard or not, is onto something. And I think the committee will put OU in. I think Oklahoma wins. And I think the committee says we would rather see Jalen Hurts and Lincoln Riley and CeeDee Lamb than Tyler Huntley. Yeah. And I I agree with him as well because they are the sexier pick. And most fans are probably casual fans of college football. They're not sitting there staying up late at night. Uh, We know the Heisman voters aren't staying up late at night to watch Utah. Most people know who Oklahoma is. You put a team like Utah in, even if they deserve it, a lot of teams are going to be like... It'll be like well, Notre Dame last year. No yeah. one will care. Why, why the hell are we watching this Utah game? And that's Notre Dame. Yeah. You put a, a Utah school in there, it's going to be even so more of a I, w- I want Utah to make it, but what I think will happen... I think they're the better team, but I, I could definitely see Oklahoma getting in. Just off name recognition. It's like Major League Baseball. When they get the Dodgers and the Yankees in the World Series, they're very excited to get those major markets. Getting this major market. Nationals. Yeah. yeah, Oklahoma (laughs) in there, in the playoff. It just feels right. You know their fans are going to travel. You know they're going to watch the game. Absolutely. All right, let's take a break. We come back. A fun top five for you this week on a little bit of a throwback to Stick to Football Fridays. We are back. Top five for you this week. Top five college football jobs we would like. I saw Daniel Jeremiah tweeting with someone about this, and was like, that's a good top five. I like that. So the premise here is, if every job in college football became open right now, with the top five jobs that you would want, Mello, not necessarily the best, the jobs you would want, kick us off at number five. Yeah, and again, this, these are jobs that I would want. And right now, I'm looking at Ohio State, who is sitting there at number one in the nation, 
They're going to lose some guys, but they are also bringing back a quarterback that we just gave some Heisman Trophy love to. That's Justin Fields. This guy's a sophomore. If I'm coming back next year and I want a guy leading my team, it's going to be Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. And what they're doing at Ohio State right now with the depth that they have on defense, the guys that are coming back next year, the recruits that they have coming in, this is going to be the number one ranked team in the nation to start the year next year, I believe. Uh, Clemson, great job. They're going to lose a lot of guys. But if I can go anywhere, it's Ohio State. They just got too much going on. You look at Ryan Day, comes in, they don't miss a beat. Yeah, I sorry, I said go five and you went number one. So Ohio State is number no, one. Number for you. one for me, Ohio, Ohio State. State. Number one for me would be Alabama. I so what Nick Saban has built there, the facilities, the pipeline, that's a great recruiting area. I mean, you're right there in Texas, Louisiana, Georgia, Florida, the hotbed of high school football. You're in it. You're in the mix. I don't particularly love the city of Tuscaloosa, the village of Tuscaloosa, but Alabama is a religion. Alabama football is a religion. Like It's more important to them than politics. It's more important to them than family. It is seriously like Nick Saban's a god. I want yeah. that one. So I have Alabama at three for me. And the only reason they're at three is because I wonder what the hell is going to happen after Nick Saban leaves. Is it all going to just come crashing down and fall apart? Because we've seen it in Alabama before. Before Nick Saban, they weren't even really relevant on the college football map. People weren't going there. Other teams were dominating the SEC. Tennessee was a powerhouse, and they're right there, kind of similar area where they could recruit. So I do wonder how much of this is Nick Saban versus how much of it is a program. And that's why I'm going with Clemson at number two for me. I think a guy like Dabo Sweeney really has things going. And again, that sophomore quarterback, he's building a tradition there. I hope that he stays at Clemson forever. He is the guy that might be the torch holder to take Alabama and run with that job. But for me, I'm going Clemson 2, Alabama at 3, which might come as a big shock. I know you had them at number 1, but I really like Clemson. You get Justin Ross, you get Trevor Lawrence next year. That's going to be a very sexy job if all of them come open. So I don't have Clemson this highly because of what you just said. I think without Dabo, Clemson's at... I mean, Clemson was a punchline four years ago. Yeah, Clemsoning was a thing. It was a thing. So Clemson's lower on my list. Number two for me is Ohio State for all the reasons you echoed. The tradition, the players that they have, what I mean, just their ability to. Right now, that's defensive end you. It's cornerback you. They're, they're unstoppable right now. And unlike some other schools that get hot for a moment, Ohio State's always been good. Mm-hmm. They've been good for 50 years. Yeah, even before Urban Meyer, when you look at the Trestle days, still, Trestle was good. still good. Cooper was good before that. Like They're just always good. And I actually loved Columbus when we were up there. So it was a great That counts pretty time. high for me. Number three, my favorite college football town in the world, though, the LSU Tigers, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Again, the recruiting, it's hot. You have Texas right there across the river. You have um, the, the facilities are good enough. Mm-hmm. Fan base, uh, fan base is, is amazing. Campus is beautiful. I said it across the river, and that that tripped me up because it's not. It's there's no river there, so I like caught myself on like, nope, good catch. I don't need people tweeting at me about that. But Texas is right there. Louisiana, amazing football. You can dip into tech into Florida. So I think LSU 
And I and have, again, a school that's been good. They've had some down years, but over the last 30 years, they've been consistently good. And I have LSU as number four, and I agree with you. And if I can keep Joe Brady, uh, I'm feeling pretty <laughs> yeah. good about what I have going on at LSU. They have a good young quarterback. Miles Brennan is, I think, his name. He is going to be very good. You're getting back some of these receivers. Jamar Chase. And recruiting is just easy to do at LSU. You have a lot of guys, even you know Jamal Adams in the NFL, Tyron Matthew, Jarvis Landry. Those guys come back and they help you recruit. It's like the old Miami days. Yep. You don't see that a lot at other programs. I mean, Alabama puts guys in the pros. I mean, they're looking at like nine first rounders this year, but you still don't hear them talk as much as guys that are at LSU. Maybe I just follow the LSU guys a little bit more closely but they're always talking about go Tigers and you know paying attention to what's going oh, on on Saturdays. There's a culture. Yeah, so I, I really like LSU. Only reason why they're number four for me, they are losing their quarterback. And quarterback and offensive play has been a question. <laughs> maybe I, so, they broke the mold finally. Maybe. But like I said, if I can keep Joe Brady, I think I'm happy. I think I can build something there with LSU. I'm going to go off the rails here. Do you think Joe Brady leaves because he's not the offensive coordinator. The thing that makes me nervous about him is that he hasn't been a head coach. That he's the offensive well, that's coordinator. Why do you think he leaves to be an offensive coordinator somewhere? No. No, I think that he stays at LSU. And the only reason he would leave is to be a head coach. But I don't know if it's going to be these big programs like a Florida State, like a Missouri, that are going to come knock on his door. You look at what P.J. Fleck built at Northern Illinois before he got his job. I thought that he was ready to go take on a big program. Yeah. And even schools like Oregon weren't going after him. It, he had to go to Minnesota, which has been great for him, and I love what he's building at Minnesota. But people want to see – these ADs want to see you build a program. It's not like the NFL where they just say, okay, come do the X's and O's and, and do this over here. There's recruiting, you know, all the other commitments that you have to do. You look at Charlie Strong at Texas that just couldn't do it. I want to see these guys build a program, not just scheme an offense. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I just, as a Texas fan, you know, got to ask. So number four on my list, this might surprise you, is USC. And looking at what, I know they haven't been great as of late, but you're USC. You should be able to recruit. The Pac-12 sucks. So, like, you talk about, like, Alabama, you got to deal with LSU, Florida, Georgia. You got to deal with SEC. Ohio State, I mean, it's like Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State are good. USC, you ain't got to deal with shit. Utah, that's your toughest opponent right now. And if you can't out recruit them this Utah, year, <laughs> right? If you can't out recruit Utah, you don't deserve the job. Yeah. So I think USC the facilities are amazing. Weather's beautiful. Pete Carroll was a god there. Mm-hmm. They just haven't handled it well since. Yeah, I mean they're replacing him with guys like Sarkeesian and Helton. Now I was really surprised to see that he's keeping his job. But it would be a very sexy place to get a job. That you, the weather is great. The program tradition is great. They they should be winning ten games every year at USC. I mean, that recruiting there is so easy in Southern California. They should be winning 10 games a year. If you're not winning 9, 10 games, you probably should be fired as the head coach. Number five for me, I'm going with a toss-up. This is who I want, so I have to put Texas on my list. But I don't think the program's in great shape right now. I think Sam Ellinger comes back, and he's a senior. Uh, There's some good recruits coming in. You're also losing your two number one receivers, one and two receivers. You're going to lose some guys off that defense that's already playing like shit. So honestly, if I'm looking at this and I want career longevity, 
Oklahoma is in a great spot right now. Yep. They've got a lot of talented players that are coming back. They've been dominating in recruiting. They're keeping guys committed. They're developing developing them when they get there. They've got a young quarterback who I think we're going to be talking about a lot next year. This is a really good program. It's on the up and up, and they're sitting there as a top five ranked team right now. I I really think that Lincoln Riley has this thing going. So if I can take a job, I'm going to slide in there. I'm going to take over just like he did for Bob Stoops. So I didn't have either team. And the reason is I love Texas, obviously. They've been bad for so long. I mean, they haven't Mm -hmm. won a national championship since 2005. And it's just like, why? I don't want to deal with Oklahoma. I don't want to deal with, even in-state, you had good programs there. I don't want to recruit against Dana Holgerson at Houston and Matt Rule at Baylor and uh, the coach I don't like at TCU, Gary Patterson. I don't want right. to deal with all that. So I'm going to Clemson as my number five school, buried in the middle of nowhere, but the pipeline has been built. You know, If I can keep Jeff Scott to recruit receivers, feel, feel really good. I would give yeah, Venables those coordinators $5 million a year about. to be my D.C. Bring Chad Morris back in right? because he's unemployed right now. Yeah, he might be the new O.C. of Texas. So I, I think Clemson, <laughs> again, the, the pageantry, the culture, what they're building there. Yes, five years ago they were a joke, but they're not anymore. So I think Clemson's a top five job. This is a great time. Tweet us at Stick to Football. Let us know your top five college football jobs you would take if they all came open tomorrow. Draft on draft time. Our boy Mags wants to know, is this year's number one seed determination the biggest in college football playoff history? Ohio State and LSU would much rather play either Utah, OU, or Baylor in the semis than Clemson. Correct. You are correct, buddy. I, last year... Mm-hmm. I really felt like it was this way last year, too. Like, you wanted to play Notre Dame. Right. It, I think this year is probably the most important we've ever seen. And thankfully, the committee is coming out and they are saying, you know what? We don't care if you lost or not. We're going to switch up our rankings. Ohio State can jump LSU despite not losing. And I love that, that they're doing it this year. Because you really want that one seed. Yep. You do not want to have to face Clemson. We already talked about it earlier. So, yeah, one seed... Very important this year, and that's why I think we're going to see both teams try to come out in their conference championship games and make a statement. Not just be happy with winning the conference exactly. championship, but you still got a lot of work to do. Even if you're up 21, you might want this to push like it to 35. School, like when point differential mattered. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. win it by 60. Yep. You know, the old Urban Meyer Florida days. We will beat you by 70 points and not give a fuck. Because it, yeah, and it is. The eye test matters. Like I've said before, these are not computers anymore. They're human beings, and they're biased human beings. They want to see you. They want to see LSU beat Georgia by 25 points and say, okay, that's the number one team in the country. Mm -hmm. And that matters more. Because Wisconsin, I know they're ranked eight. They're not in the same tier as Georgia. So LSU needs to win by more than Ohio State does. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And then Clemson sitting there at three. I don't know that there's anything that they can do to move up. But, Barring one of the other teams losing. Yeah, but I think they're in good shape to at least get a good matchup. I mean, they really have their hands full, but at least we'll finally know, did Clemson play enough people to be uh, in the spot they're in? Bart Uppa wants to know, which players are you most excited to see at the Combine, and which ones have the best chance of improving their stock based on the workouts? So I feel like it's a little early to be like, oh, this dude's going to work out well. So... What I look forward to most at the Combine is the chance to break ties. So mm-hmm. CeeDee Lamb and Henry Ruggs, I have tied. But if Lamb runs a 4-6, that tie is broken. Yeah. Even though I, like, I know he's not fast, but he needs to be in the 4-5s. So, or running back, J.K. Dobbins and Najee Harris. Yeah. 
and it's not okay who's faster that guy's higher right but it's just the overall athletic testing to kind of help like you said break ties i'm not gonna move people up uh drastically on my board because they run a fast 40 time but i would be a liar if i said it didn't make a difference it factors when you see a guy running uh four three versus a four one for henry ruggs that's going to make a difference. That speed plays anywhere. 4-3 is moving. That is very fast. Yeah. 4-1, even if it's 4-1-9, is Or 4-2-1 even. Like, like, I'm putting that. that on the field. He can run yeah. straight lines and get open. You don't need him to do anything else at that speed. And I think guys like, uh, I want to see Devonta Smith. Because I, I don't know what he runs. Yeah, and he's so lanky, you right. want to see what he looks like. Or too. Michael Pittman Jr., who's so big on the yeah. other side of that. Isaiah Simmons, I want to see if he is truly as athletic as he looks, uh, what he's going to run, how he's going to move, yeah. and how he looks in coverage drills. And I want to see if they do any edge rushing with him, get him moving off the edge. I, uh, my favorite linebacker I've ever scouted is Isaiah Simmons. Wow. Damn. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think there is that guy this year where it's like, oh, what? Let's see what he does. Henry Ruggs is the, he's gonna be the showstopper. Mm-hmm. I want to see uh, Jeff Akuda, who I guess I mean we're talking about a lot of guys who haven't officially declared. Yeah. I want to see his ball skills and I want to see his forty time also. I think he's a big corner, a senior corner who I think should be at the Senior Bowl. He better accept is Trevon Diggs. I think he could test really well and push himself back up. Yeah, I mean... He's raw. And he used to play receiver, so the ball skills are going to be there. He's a Nick Saban coached corner. He should be really good, too. The corner class, honestly, I want to see a lot of them. C.J. Henderson uh, is a guy you were talking about on Twitter earlier this week that I saw. I want to see what he can do. At 6'1", 192, I feel like he can run very well. I want to see his ball skills. I don't give a shit if he can tackle. You said he could, so I believe it. Uh, Christian <laughs> Good Fulton, enough for me. I, I want to see what he can do at corner. I want to see these guys separate themselves. Paulson yeah. Adebo. I think all of those guys could be in that first-round tier, but they're going to have to separate themselves. Combine testing will help. Jeff Gladney is another one. I want right. to see how well he moves. Uh, it's such a good corner class. Really, truly is. All right, next question from Riley Loveless. If you became an NFL player, what three products would you want to endorse? You can only choose one alcoholic item for parody's sake. I feel like two of mine, at least, are incredibly obvious. Casey's and Natty Light. Yeah. I spend okay. a lot of money there. If I'm a NASCAR and I want a sticker right there on my windshield, yeah. it's probably going to be Casey's. I shop there, I guess you could say, almost shop. daily. Oh, yeah. If I need, like, a water for the show, mm-hmm. gas. Yeah. It might not be every day, but sometimes it's twice a day, and then I see It averages out, right? I know Seven my bank does this thing, and this is not a flex. Everyone's probably does, where, like, it'll tell you, like, where you spend the most of your money. Minus mm-hmm. Casey's. <laughs> yeah. It's like child support Casey's. And I don't go to other gas stations. I'll drive no. out of my way. I will turn... Across traffic to get to a Casey's general store. Oh, over like a come and go in Joplin? Yep. Easy. Oh, yeah. Easiest decision of my life. Yes. So, yeah, I would have Casey's. I have Natty Light. And, man, I'm at Walmart a lot. They're they're a big time. Yeah. So here's my – I think you'll appreciate this. I would not pick Natty Light because it's so cheap. Like, I don't <laughs> need you to give me $15 a week. Right? Yeah. I, it would be more about product for me. So for me, I would want – a truck. I would want like a Ford Raptor. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah. a $90,000 so truck. So Ford is one for me, definitely. North Face is number two. Mm-hmm. I wear something North Face. I'm actually not today, and that's shocking. It Almost is. every day. So North Face is, <laughs> yeah, and their stuff's expensive. And then Texas Roadhouse. 
I'm not trying to like throw something out there. My son is addicted to Texas Roadhouse. So I feel he's like addicted. You and me and Connor, we were talking about Texas Roadhouse even on the tailgate tour. Don't shame me for going to a chain steak place. It's that's some damn good food. It is. The, so we tried a different steak place last night because I, I have a six-year-old. Long listeners of the show know this. And he has entered this phase where he's now a grown man at six. He he's wants steak years every old. night. <laughs> and so we tried a different place last night. I, he gets his steak all cut up and he takes a bite and he goes, I don't like it. I'm not yeah. going to eat it. So good. Can we go, go to, to Texas? Texas That's what he said. <laughs> and I was like, well... No, like we were, but then his meal was free. It was like a kids eat free thing. And he was like, well, you didn't have to pay for mine. So let's go to Texas Roadhouse and you can pay for my food. It's hard to argue with. It's, it's logic. Their rolls are good. The honey yeah. butter is amazing. And they, for a chain, our older brother Marcus said it this week to us. A chain restaurant has no business tasting that good. No, they should not be able to cook a steak that well. For a chain. I guess I should say that good, because that good, if I uh, say well, people will come after me on medium, Twitter. It's medium yeah. fine. And I'll eat my steak however I want. If Mahomes can eat his with ketchup, ketchup I don't want to hear anything. I'm good. Their salads go are medium, fresh. Medium well. Salads are always good. Good steak fries, baked potatoes. I believe I watched you eat a bowl of chili from I did. there. It was delicious. Yep. It, one of our favorite spots now. If you have to say, all right, Miller Boys, you're going to a chain restaurant That's in it. Joplin, Missouri. That's where you're going to find us. So that's what I'm saying. That would be my third one. I like it. I'm going to steal it, and I'm taking it with my third one, too. All right, last question from Nathan Carnahan. He wants to throw it way back. Can I ask a just-the-tip question? No, but we'll still answer your question. As you've grown into your late 20s, 30s, 40s, when do you stop buying family and friends Christmas gifts? Like, when's the cutoff? So you're going to get two very different answers. Oh, yeah, you are. (laughs) Never is the answer, especially your parents. Like, they raised you. They bought your little ass Christmas presents for 18, 20, 30 years. It never ends. Yeah, I think that is part of being an adult, is that mom and dad are going to get a Christmas present every year. Uh, They just have to. However, the rest of the family, come on. Like, once you get into adulthood, I've been stressed out buying Christmas presents before, and it's like, what the fuck? I don't have money for all this shit, so you're getting some bargain deals, and it just becomes more of a hassle than anything. So I think once you get into your 30s, maybe late 20s, pretty much right around the time when you have to actually start buying presents for everyone, it kind of sucks for a while. So I do think that... With some families, with some people, there should probably be an agreement. Matt, I know you would love to buy presents for everyone in our family. And I'm like, fuck that. Let's draw names. I'm not buying presents for all these kids and all these people. Mom and dad, they get a present. Yes. Then I will draw a name for someone else and I will buy them a present. And I am happy with that. I would buy everyone a present. I know. You were always the guy I that's like, it. do we really need to draw names? And, and I'm the other guy that's like, yes, we names. absolutely and I hate are drawing names. Limits. It's like $30. <laughs> what if I find something that costs 32 What do I do? Do I lie to the family? I shouldn't well, have to. Thankfully, your oldest daughter, your only daughter, yep. is an adult now. So she got put into the adult name drawing. And she already told me that she spent more on me than $30. So I've got that going for me. Which is nice. It is nice. She's a good kid. You're lucky. Um, She's (laughs) spending my money to buy you a present, but that's okay. We'll be back 
Monday, live from SEC Championship. Sean Alexander will be joining us. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to give him a lot of shit about the fact that Alabama's not in this game. So I may have a broken jaw on Wednesday when Connor and I rejoin you. But it's going to be a fun weekend. Again, if you're in Atlanta for SEC Championship, come see us, whether you're an Alabama fan, LSU fan, or Georgia fan, or any fan. We will take you. Come ask us your draft questions, your NFL questions. We're looking forward to it. Thanks again to Johnsonville for taking us to Atlanta for this one. I'm excited. Yeah, a great game, great opportunity. I'll let you know how that sausage tastes. It's going to be good. Mellow, Judge, and the cook-off. We'll talk to you all next week.